Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for week 15 of the 2024 NBA season. I'm your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show uh, and or welcome back to the show, both previous listeners and brand new listeners alike. We just want to express our appreciation. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, joining me on our Monday show, as usual, our co-host and my good friend, Wyatt. How are you doing today, Wyatt? Hey, I am doing well, Karsten. Thanks for asking. Yeah, of course. It's great. Good to have you again. And uh, uh, again, l- listeners, if you haven't been on the last couple of episodes, I'm still on the recovery path from the the strep situation, strep throat, but uh, feeling a lot better. My voice is actually somewhat palatable. Um, I, I feel bad for people who tuned in on Friday. I think we still had a good show, but my voice was definitely uh, in a rough spot. Um, it was rough Wednesday too, but it was low and in you know intelligible still friday it was like a whisper so um either way i'm glad to be um hopefully almost good to go and uh well we're good to go tonight we've got a heck of a show for you what a a crazy last week of action and weekend especially we've got plenty to talk about and uh we'll go ahead and get started with our our five on five drill from the last weekend uh as well as our, our six men and our key news basically wrapping up all the action from uh, this past weekend. So let's get that started right now. Yeah, it's just been a crazy weekend. And I just wanted to give a quick note before we jump into our games here. Um, This was a note from Friday after Friday's action, Monday through Friday of last week, uh, we had Luca with 73 points, and we'll get there. Embiid, of course, had the 70-point game. Devin Booker had 62. Carl Anthony Towns had 62. That's two 70-plus games, four 60-plus games in five days, which equaled the same totals we had all of last season. Unbelievable stuff. This is the first time since 1962 that the NBA has had four 60-plus scoring games in a week and this is more 70 plus scoring games in the past 13 months of course Luca and Embiid but also this last season you remember Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell had 70 so more 70 plus games in the past 13 months than there was in the previous 28 years unprecedented scoring we of course know that pace of play has been up um, and it's just tremendous and the other note is this is the um we after this week we had like the fifth different person to score more than 60 in a game which is the most in any season something along those lines so it's just been phenomenal not only the the individual scoring um, but it's spread out it's not just you look back at many seasons in the early 60s and Wilt Chamberlain has you know 10 different 60 plus games or whatever it is maybe not quite that much but um, it's multiple players it's coming from all over the place and it's been crazy but that's just kind of a quick, you know, talk about that generally. Why I'll send it over to you to talk about our first game specifically with one of these scoring performances in mind. Yeah, so the the first game is from Friday night, and it is the the Suns and the Pacers. And Booker, this game is our he was our high scorer um, that, that Karsten alluded to. He had sixty two points. Uh, in this contest and shockingly they lost uh, Mm. to the Pacers so you know 
I can't think of a of a more unfortunate thing to spoil a great uh, a great showing than to lose uh, your game. But you know, you brought up Luca. They won by five points with his seventy three point game, and it's like yeah, it's kind of crazy how uh, some of these games turn out. But yeah, for sure. just to kind of recap the ending here, um, it was it was tied with a little under a minute left, 48 seconds. Uh, and and then uh, Durant takes a three-point shot, misses, uh, and then o- uh, Obi Toppin gets a rebound and passes it to Matherin. Matherin misses a layup. Siakam rebounds it. Siakam misses, like, a tip in. Uh, then Toppin rebounds again, and he gets the... Uh, he gets a layup with three seconds left and Booker has the, I mean, Suns call a timeout and then the Pacers call a timeout after that. And so everyone's strategizing on how they're not going to let Booker basically, you know, add to this 62 point uh, performance, which I'm sure they were like, okay, it's obviously going to go to Booker, you know, lock him down. They throw it into Booker. He shoots with one second, about four feet behind the three-point line, and uh, misses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pacers victory. They win 133 to 131. So, obviously, great contest. Uh, both teams performed well. Booker with his 62 points, and then the Pacers able to overcome that and still get the victory. Looking at the the uh, box score here, obviously, you know, Booker had his 62 points. He led the Suns um, point-wise. And I got to change my thing back to all the periods instead of just the fourth quarter. He was followed by Kevin Durant with kind of a disappointing 20 points. Uh, we, I think, have come to expect a lot more from Kevin Durant as far as uh, scoring goes and uh, maybe felt like a little bit of a letdown, but there's always a give and take with these high scoring performances. You know, if hmm. Booker's going to score 62, there's only so much time for other guys to have the ball in their hands and buckets to get. Yeah. Well, so, especially he shot well from the floor still. He was 60%. So can't complain right, too yeah. much, right? Exactly. Yeah. He, he didn't shoot bad. That's for sure. Hmm. Nine for 15 and then two for four from the three point line. And like he still definitely contributed six assists and seven rebounds. Great. Mm-hmm. And he, he got a steal and a block also. So definitely did well, just maybe not the shocking numbers we uh I guess love to talk about. Yeah. Uh but Booker, you know, also shot really well. He was twenty two of thirty seven. Crazy. You take thirty seven shots in the game. <laughs> that seems like a ton. But yeah, he was fifty nine and a half percent. Uh, six for 12 from the three-point line, uh, 12 out of 13 from uh, the the stripe. He shot a lot of free throws as well. Got five boards, four assists, a steal, uh, a couple blocks. So, you know, great job. Booker definitely played out of his mind. Other, I guess, top performers, Eric Gordon, 14 points, a couple rebounds, a couple assists. Bradley Bill, 12 points, uh, a block, a, a steal four rebounds, three assists. And then outside of 
them. Oh, Grace and Alex, Grace and Allen also had 11. And then there were no other uh, double digit scores. Uh, Drew Eubanks was close with eight. And then if we jump over to the Pacers, you'll see who how they managed to pull off this victory. Aaron Neesmith and Andrew Nimbard uh, both had 22 points. So uh, they were the runner-ups to Pascal Siakam, their recent acquisition, 31 points. Uh, was this his debut game, Karsten? It wasn't. No, was it? not quite. Okay. He had debuted a couple games prior. Okay, that's what I thought. But, you know, they I'm sure they're pleased with his performance. You know, they're still missing uh, Halliburton, so they didn't even have their uh, top guy in this game. Mm. Um, oh, and I missed Obi Toppin. He actually had 23. So, yeah. so Siakam 31, Toppin 23, and then Neesmith and Nemard with uh, 22. Am I saying that right, Nemard? Yeah, Nemard. Okay. So... They shared the ball well. They also had Jalen Smith with 13, Benedict Matherin with 11. Um, looking at their other numbers, you know, Siakam also had seven rebounds, four assists, a couple steals, uh, six rebounds for Neesmith, eight assists for Nemard. So he, you know, was a great distributor for him. Uh, Jalen Smith pulled down 10 rebounds. Matherin had a five. Toppin had, had 11. And he got six offensive rebounds. So, hmm. uh, and I should six offensive that, rebounds. Yeah, that's a six lot. Six offensive. Yeah, and uh, Smith, Jalen Smith, had five offensive, hmm. and Siakam had four offensive. So they kind of dominated the offensive glass. They had twenty-one uh, offensive rebounds compared to twenty-seven defensive. So they almost, you know, wow. they almost uh, <clears throat> tied themselves. The Suns uh, had seven offensive rebounds, so yeah, a third as many. So shows what a big goal, you know. Yeah, for sure. And I think that offensive rebounds. If I had to pick one stat that just showed like how hard a team was working, I would mm-hmm. maybe choose offensive rebounds. I mean, yeah. you could argue, you could argue steals, maybe, uh, or some, you know, some of those defensive things, but. I think offensive rebounds, man, they really indicate like teams are going, you know, mm-hmm. working their guts off. Uh, so yeah, great performance by the the Pacers to overcome a stellar performance by uh, Devin Booker and the Suns. And mm-hmm. congrats! I'm excited to see what they're going to do with Halliburton. Yeah, forward. of course, and uh, yeah, we don't have any. I was just checking before the show, talking a lot about this. We don't have any. Um, at least from what I saw, super concrete updates on Halliburton. I think maybe uh, returning soon. Um, actually, you know what? There might have been. And I might have just been glossing over the article because I noticed his outfit. Oh, we did. Okay. My bad. Quick news <laughs> update here. Um, he's planning to return tomorrow uh, versus Boston. So sweet. we do have an update there. It was Julius Randle. We don't have any concrete updates there. Of course, he was injured this past weekend. Um, but yeah, Halliburton should be returning soon. Having him back on the floor with Siakam, of course, is going to be big for the Pacers. Um, again, great to see these other guys getting chances to, to produce and win games in the, in the interim, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to, that six offensive rebounds comment. Why surely you remember the episode <laughs> I we remember. had, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I was waiting for you to pick up yeah. on that. If you if you're new, we had an episode and we were doing our game summaries, and Wyatt pointed out the fact with one of the games, like, wow, this player got six offensive rebounds. That's that's really amazing. Except it was like ten or eleven. I think it was like Clint Capella or someone had like ten offensive rebounds. Yeah, it was it was a lot. I forget what it was, but I was like, oh, you're right, that is. And then like the very next game we were talking about, someone else had that same number of offensive rebounds. And then um, like four more times. <laughs> yeah, it just it just you know stole all of his thunder. So um yeah. man, fun throwback. But no, yeah, the as a team, that was definitely a, a, a standout uh metric for them. And you see it with teams a lot in the modern NBA where offensive rebounding is not an emphasis because they want to get back on defense, they don't want to give up easy points. So it's impressive to to win a game in a fast paced game like we have in, in the league right now with an offensive rebounding focus. So yeah, definitely props to the Pacers uh, for that win, big win for them uh, against, you know, a son's team that got off to such a hot start bookers uh, 29 points in the first quarter, part of that 62 points. I mean, he was just red hot, but they withstood the storm and they came back. So anyways, great job there. Uh, we'll move on to that second Friday game. And the one that got talked about maybe a little bit more um, with the Dallas Mavericks winning in Atlanta against the Hawks uh, with just a 73 point performance by Luka Doncic, um, 148 to 143, your final score. Unbelievable. Of course, 73 is tied for the fourth most points in a game. Uh, First, of course, Wilt Chamberlain uh, with 100. Second to that, Kobe Bryant with his 81 point game in 2006. And then third, Wilt, again, had 78 points in a game. 73 is tied with David Thompson, uh, Skywalker, as well as um, I I think Wilt had a 73-point game in there as well. So, um, yeah, a very elite company, unbelievable shooting. And again, like Wyatt mentioned, odd that it was such a close game. You know, as you would think your guy, your main guy scores 73. It should be a pretty easy victory, but it seems like, it almost makes sense that it wasn't, you know, you had to rely on so many points from one guy. The other guys didn't have as great of an offensive night. Maybe not as surprising as we, uh, as we think first off, but still close game throughout Mavericks led by 11, uh, a number of times in the second half. But despite that, it was still close. Atlanta never really gave up the game, but Dallas just, uh, you know, ran away with it. And again, Luca 73 with 10 rebounds, seven assists, um, he was 25 of 33 from the floor, shooting about 76%, uh, including 8 of 13 from the three-point line, 61%, or nearly 62%. And then he was 15 of 16 from the free throw line, um, one free throw shy of having sole possession of of third highest scoring game ever, but yeah, or, or fourth, fourth highest rather, because there's a 78 game. Um, but still, solid. Outside of him, though, yeah, they kind of needed it because Josh Green had 21 points four or five shooting from three for Josh Green. And then they had 13 off the bench from Tim Hardaway Jr. Struggled a bit in the percentage category. And that was it for them for double figure scores. Um, you know, a number of guys with nine, like Grant Williams, Derek Lively, Exum, uh, Lively also with 11 rebounds, four blocks and a steal. So they had, they had production, but they definitely needed, you know, as much scoring as they could get from Luca in a night where the other guys, they were, there was no Kyrie, they were without that scoring. Um, and in credit to Atlanta, they had a much more well-balanced attack. Six players in double figures led by Trey Young, 
30 points, 11 assists, three steals for him in the game. Um, Decent all-round percentages. They got 25 from Jalen Johnson, uh, who continues to impress this season. 24 off the bench from Bogdan Bogdanovic. 22 from DeJounte Murray, uh, who also had five boards, seven assists. And then Sadiq Bey, 16 points, seven boards, five assists. Clint Capella, 10 points, eight boards as well. I mean, solid game. Atlanta did not have a bad game, but there's only so much you can do when, you know, Luka has 73, I suppose. So uh, Mavericks still get the win. Very impressive stuff. Um, This is, of course, going to be a talking point. We didn't select it for any of our DEFCON levels. It doesn't look like. Um, But um, I have some early formulations for next, uh, this upcoming Wednesday's show, potential weekly prediction for you on this scoring hot topic, because, of course, everyone's talking about it. The NBA website today is, oh, is a 100-point game possible? Now, that conversation that gets kind of overdone from time to time when you have these (laughs) high-scoring bursts. But uh, for the moment, big win for Dallas, big game for Luka, uh, one of the greats of our generation right now, for sure. And I'll send it back over to Wyatt for our next game, unless he has any other thoughts on Luka. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, yeah, that's a ton of points, and you know, they always bring up this conversation that we don't need to delve into because it's been beat like a dead horse. But mm. my one comment will be like, that's not even 75% of the way there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. Like what a high scoring game. And he's, and that not even three quarters of the way <laughs> to the record. Yeah. Which I don't know. That's all right. Let's, let's, uh, go over to Boston here and talk about the uh, Clippers game there in Boston against the Celtics on Saturday. This is the first Saturday game that we are going to talk about tonight. And it was a doozy for Boston, the um, record wise, the best team in the league. And they got manhandled a little bit. Uh, They had a brief, brief lead by three points at the very start you know or first half of the first quarter and then after that it was uh a clippers ball game they ran off with it in the third quarter they had a 21 and 0 run and they ended well at the end near the end of the third quarter they led by 36 points uh that got shortened uh slightly right before the third quarter ended but 36 points they led by uh, at one point in the game. And, you know, the performances were stellar all around. I'm going to touch more on the Clippers later in this episode, but uh, Clippers end up with the win, 115 to Boston's 96. Uh, and, you know, the Clippers outperformed them in most stats. They had 58, you know, they got six more rebounds, seven more assists, uh, six more steals. They were one block behind, and surprisingly enough, Boston was led by Derek White in blocks. He had three. Mm-hmm. Uh, they turned the ball over less. They had a better field goal percentage, uh, equal three-point percentage, and slightly worse free-throw percentage. So most yeah. – Neither team most lighting it up stats. from three-point range. No, a whopping 25%. <laughs> so that is kind of rough. And – yeah, and then uh, their field goal percentage was pretty good for the Clippers. It was 44, you know, not where you want to be, but mm. uh, 
not bad by any means compared to Boston's 36. Uh, Clippers got a bunch of second uh, chance buckets. They ran the floor better, uh, more more points in the paint, uh, which obviously both teams would have liked to have tonight based on their three-point uh, shooting. But looking at the performances in Boston, so Tatum led with 21 points. And, you know, he did what we expect him to do. He was two for four from the three-point line, eight of 18 from the field, shooting 44.4%. Made all his free throws, which being three. Had 11 rebounds, a block. You know, he, he did his thing. He did well, but it wasn't enough. And he didn't get a lot of help. He uh, Peyton Pritchard had 12, and Luca Cornett had 11. And outside of that, not another single person in double digits. Jalen hmm. Brown only had eight. Uh, Al Horford didn't have any. Played for almost 20 minutes and had zero points. Hmm. Didn't really contribute in other ways either. I mean, he was he uh, got two rebounds and one assist. Other than hmm. that, he turned it over. No blocks, no steals. 0 for 4 from 3, 0 for 5 from the field. <laughs> kind of a <laughs> rough performance by the big man there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so definitely Tatum playing on his own there. Um, go And I will say, you know, obviously they're missing Porzingis uh, in this contest, which is a notable factor. Uh, jumping up to L.A., uh, the Clippers were led by Kawhi with 26 points. He shot three for fry, three out of five from the three-point line, uh, and then 10 out of 15 from the field. So awesome performances, 66.7 and 60% um, from the field and three-point line, for, respectively. Three out of three from the field, uh, seven rebounds, couple assists, couple steals, two blocks. You know, great performance by him. Uh, Paul George helped out. He had 17 points, six rebounds. Terrence Mann had 14 points, uh, six rebounds. Thies had 18 uh, points and seven rebounds. Amir Coffey had 10. Harden only had nine this game, uh, surprisingly after. Ooh, or was this before? He had a big, He had a big night recently that I actually watched. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, we're not going to get into that. I think the game uh, before this, he had a triple double. So. Yeah, I think I think that's right. Yeah. So anyway, kind of a quieter uh, game for him, but he did have seven assists. Uh, so you know, it's not like he didn't do anything. <clears throat> kind of just kind of struggled shooting. Zero for six from the three point line, <laughs> two out of seven from the field. So mm. kind of crappy uh, shooting percentages there. Um. So yeah, a little bit little bit more balanced attack uh from the from the clippers uh they had a you know couple of high scores as opposed to the to boston who just had uh tatum but really as far as like games that we're talking about this week this one was pretty low scoring compared to a lot of the you know games that we'll talk about and the performances that we've seen Mm. with uh scoring in the last week yeah yeah lower scoring game is still you know props to the clippers um i still was just thinking about 
early in the season after the Harden trade, both of us were getting pretty ready to write the Clippers off. Um, yeah. And they've had such an impressive turnaround and they continue to surge. It's really working. Their lineup's working well. Kawhi and Paul George consistently doing what we know they can do. You know, they've got mm-hmm. some good pieces around them. And that 21 to 0 run, super impressive in Boston. This is only the second time the Celtics have lost in Boston this season, um, 20 and 2 on the year or something like that. So extra impressive. And yeah, the Clippers wow. now th- 13 and 2 in their last 15 games. Um, we'll certainly have more to talk about with them. Wyatt mentioned they could be a topic for him in DEFCON levels. But for now, we'll go ahead and shift focus to our next game from Saturday night. And that is going to be an instant classic from California, specifically in San Francisco, as the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, hosted the Los Angeles Lakers in a double overtime one point victory for the Lakers on the road, 145 to 144. Um, This is going to be a staple game for this season, I imagine, Uh, with star power down to the wire, um, great plays, the works. You know, this is going to be a memorable one. And it was back and forth, 22 lead changes in the game. Uh, Warriors held the largest lead of the game in the third quarter, as you might expect, uh, with 15 points. But then the Lakers stuck around. You know, they kept fighting, and they were able to come up with the victory, especially some clutch play from one LeBron James, uh, you might have heard of him. He's a little bit familiar with <laughs> some of those types of situations. Otherwise, the two teams, you know, back and forth in a lot of categories. Lakers, the better rebounding team. Warriors, the better distributing team and uh, three-point shooting team. But the Lakers shot better from the floor overall and much better from the free throw line. So a lot of, you know, stats traded back and forth as far as box scores concern, uh, concerned, rather. Steph Curry did all he could in this game. 46 points. <clears throat> Excuse me. 46 points um, on 35 attempts, shot just slightly below 50%. That included nine of 21 shooting from three. Uh, really, as you expect, the green light from three, um, making good on that. Uh, he also had seven assists. He he carried a lot of the workload here, but he did have some good production from the supporting cast. Clay Thompson with 24 points. Uh, who was 6 of 17 from three-point range, 22 each from Jonathan Kaminga and Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins with two steals and a block. Kaminga, nine rebounds. Uh, Both those guys, Wiggins and Kaminga, combined to go five of seven from three-point range. Draymond, uh, 14 rebounds, 11 assists, three steals, two blocks, a very vintage Draymond-type game. And then 10 points off the bench for the rookie, uh, Brandon Pajemski. Not a bad game all around for Golden State, um, but for the Lakers, it was LeBron James leading them. 36 points, and how about a career high at this point in his career for LeBron? 20 rebounds. This is the first time he's had 20 rebounds in a game, along with 12 assists. Um, He is the first Laker since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1976 to have a 30, 20, and 10 stat line. So, very impressive category there to be in. Um, so the rebounds along with the assists, we know he's a great distributor. We know he's the league's leading scorer as well, um, doing it all. And then he had great support from Anthony Davis, 29 points, 13 rebounds, four blocks. Um, D'Angelo Russell stepping up again. He's been great over the last few weeks, 28 points for him, 
five of eight from three, including a, a clutch three and double overtime, um, kind of a yeah. go ahead shot. I mean, that one was after <laughs> I got to throw in, he turned it over like almost three times before. Yeah. That. The first one was like, terrible past anthony davis but thankfully it was to anthony davis and he managed mm. to get up and get it but then two turnovers right after that i was like someone bench russell and then he makes that three and i was like all right fine <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that and also it was between clay thompson hitting some clutch threes to keep them ahead and and you know steph had a, a go ahead three as well so it was just you know tit for tat in this whole game it was it was very exciting um they got 17 from austin reeves who struggled shooting overall, um, but still produced in this game. They got 14 off the bench from Jared Vanderbilt, who also had nine boards, four steals, and then 11 from Roy Hachimura. And again, down on the wire, uh, Warriors took the lead, uh, and then it was LeBron getting the drive and getting the foul to go to the line for two free throws to win the game. And, you know, there's plenty of people that will criticize LeBron over his career for not being the highest percentage free throw shooter usually hovers, you know, around the the high 60s to the low 70s in a free throw percentage. But he made two free throws, clutch situation to, to win the game for them. And especially for a season where the Lakers have been very up and down and over the last few weeks a little bit more down than up, these are the kind of wins that you need to get, especially against a team that on paper and record-wise you have been better than in the Warriors. So big win for the Lakers. Um Again, 20 rebounds. I'm surprised LeBron hasn't had that before. And I was just realizing I was going to check for LeBron's career high in assists because it's always kind of fun to see, oh, if you put your career high, you know, in any game all together is like if you had one game of all your career highs in points and rebounds and assists, how absurd it would be. Um, LeBron's has got to be up there now with 20 rebounds and whatever his assist would be. But while I'm looking for that, mm-hmm. I maybe, I'll maybe send it over to you, Wyatt, for any other thoughts you have um, before you jump into the next game. Yeah, I mean, I just – I watched the very ending of this game. I think I – I don't remember where I was, but I got home, and it was – there was like four or five minutes. I think, I think there was four minutes left in the first overtime. So I saw, uh, you know, most of the first overtime, and then I saw the second overtime. And it was pretty enjoyable to uh, watch the ending. Very high intensity ending, obviously. Uh, Two teams that have kind of been uh, some kind of keynote. um, Or not necessarily these two teams, but the LeBron, Steph, uh, you know, Mm. they've been kind of the two key stars that have been in a lot of, uh, you know, the finals against each other and, stuff in the last 10 years so yeah fun to watch that oh for sure and just yeah quick note i found it his career high in assists in assists is 19 just shy of 20 but if if he had his gotta get one more yeah if he had a career high like you put a game together of all his career highs it'd be 61 points 20 rebounds 19 assists seven steals five blocks that'd be a heck of a game yeah it would be a heck of a game but anyways, yeah, go ahead with our uh, our next game. Yeah. Okay, let's let's uh jump into it. So, last game from Saturday that we're going to talk about is um uh, the Spurs and the Timberwolves. So, 
who would have thought this would be a game we're talking about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> given the records of the two, but the Spurs pull off a a uh, narrow victory here um, over the the Timberwolves, who I believe were still ranked first in the West at this point. Uh, I think the Thunder close. have now usurped them, but yeah, yeah, it's a uh, you know basically the greatest team in the in the West versus the West. And Spurs uh, get it here. So mm. kind of talking about the last minute of the, the game here, uh, the the uh, Spurs went up by two with a little over a minute left, leading 112 to 110. Uh, and actually they were leading 112 to 108, or 109, sorry. And uh, Edwards makes a three-pointer to – bring them up to uh, 110 to 112. So the Spurs led. So they were 107 to 112, made a three. Now they're 110 to 112. Math. Uh, when <laughs> gets fouled, misses both free throws. So, you know, had the chance to extend their lead to four, but instead the Timberwolves are still within striking distance, and they do. Edwards uh, gets a reverse layup and gets his – 31st and 32nd point to tie the game with uh, 30 seconds left. Uh, then there's, you know, they go back and forth. Sohan uh, gets blocked by Carl Anthony Towns. And then Johnson gets the rebound. Johnson gets fouled, makes one free throw, but misses the second. So now they're up by one. This is with nine seconds left. Uh, he misses the second free throw. Gobert grabs the board. Uh and then they call a timeout, advance the ball. Carl Anthony Towns has the chance to win it with a step-back three-pointer from 26 feet out, uh, which a little bit surprising to me that they couldn't get a better shot than that uh, mm. when they were only down by one. But anyway, he misses at, at the buzzer, and the Spurs walk away with a victory that had to feel awesome. Yeah. Um if we look at kind of the, the game chart, honestly, the Timberwolves dominated for three of the four quarters. The Spurs led for the first half of the first quarter and the second half of the fourth quarter, which, you know, obviously are the ones that matter because that's uh that's who got the dub here. Mm. But the Spurs edged them out in rebounds. They edged them out in assists. They were a couple steals shy of the Timberwolves, but they also had more blocks. And uh, other than that, you know, it was pretty close. Turnovers were basically equivalent. Field goal percentage was basically equivalent. The Timberwolves did shoot better from the three-point line, uh, 54% as a team, so pretty impressive compared to the Spurs, 43. And then their free throw percentage were exactly the same. Mm. Uh, I suspect we're going to see a, another – uh, Pacers-esque performance here with rebounds, offensive rebounds to be specific, because San Antonio had a lot of second chance points, 17 compared to Minnesota's nine, which mm. is surprising to me with the front court that Minnesota uh, runs with right now in uh, Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. So let's take a peek at the box score here. Uh Carl Anthony Towns 
had uh, an amazing game. He had 19 points and, you know, oh, sorry. It wasn't that amazing, but I mean, it was, it, he shot nine for 16 from the field. So a good percentage, but yeah, only 19 points. He did have a couple blocks. He had a steal, five assists or five rebounds, four assists. Um, so good performance by him. Gobert right there with him, 19 points, uh, seven rebounds. Mm. He only missed one <clears throat> shot all night, which is awesome for us to see is, uh, you know, he's the former jazz player and his offensive uh, prowess is not really prowessful at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's kind of non-existence with his, uh, but he, he was eight for nine. So good performance there. Anthony Edwards, he was the big leader here, 32 points, 12 assists, and six rebounds. Uh, so awesome performance from him. Six of eight from the three-point line, 75%. Uh, Would have liked to see him taking that last shot maybe instead of Carl Anthony Towns, but mm. uh, they probably they probably also <laughs> – I mean, the Spurs probably thought about that <clears throat> and forced someone else to take the shot. Uh, and then yeah. he was twelve of uh, from eight, twelve of eighteen from the field, uh, so sixty six point seven percent. Awesome performance from him. They had two other guys in double digits in Nikhil Alexander Walker, who had eleven, and Nas Reed with thirteen. Uh, so you know, not a bad performance at all uh, by the Timberwolves. They shared the ball well, and you know, of course, Anthony Edwards had a great performance as he always does. Let's peek at their offensive rebounds just because I'm curious. Seven is a team. So now let's jump over to the Spurs. Uh, 14. So they doubled it, which is mm. not as stark of a difference as the the tripled um, pacer. You know, the Pacers had triple the uh, re uh, offensive rebounds compared to the Celtics. But still, you know, twice as many is definitely significant. Yeah. And – they were led by Devin Vassell with 25 points uh, and five assists. Wembenyama, uh, potential rookie of the year, Wembenyama had 23 points and was a very important factor in the Spurs victory here. He shot 53% from the field almost, 9 of 17. And I got to throw in Vassell's 11 out of 17, 65% shooting as well. Awesome mm. uh, percentage from him. And they both shot three out of six from the three-point line. Uh, Wembenyama also had 10 rebounds, six assists, a couple steals, a couple blocks. He did have six turnovers, but uh, what can you do? That mm. happens sometimes. Uh, Jeremy Sohan had 13. Trey Jones had 12. Keldon Johnson had 14. Oh. So, you know, Pretty good performances. They also, you know, shared the ball really well. They had uh, 35 assists as a team, which uh, was better, you know, even than the the Timberwolves who only had 30. So they mm. both did a great job distributing the ball. They both had uh, offensive forces that uh, they could go to that, you know, were effective from, um, you know, they had multiple guys who were being effective on the offensive end of the floor. And I think that's that's good to see for a team who has, you know, struggled a little bit this year, uh, a lot of it, actually, mm. with their uh, with winning games. <clears throat> so to 
close out a close game against the, you know, one of the top teams in the league is very impressive for San Antonio and the Spurs. Yeah, absolutely. And there's not really much more I can add to that um, other than, you know, ditto. Very impressive. Wembenyama, of course, we know he's been great, um, but when you can get um, good enough supporting play and you can limit uh, Minnesota as good as they've been, you know, it's a very impressive um, thing to be able to hang your hat on. You know, hey, we have this win now. They've picked up a couple wins over the last couple of weeks have been, you know, feels like they're getting just a touch of momentum. Um, so mm-hmm. it's great to see. And actually our final game, this is a bonus game. Again, normally we talk five games only, but we're doing a bonus Sunday game. It's in a similar ilk to what we just talked about. You know, who would have expected we'd talk about this, but the Detroit Pistons last night got a win at home against the Oklahoma city thunder. So even more like, you know, we didn't expect yeah. this because that, that's been the storyline for Detroit. You know, they've picked up two wins this past week, and that'll be a talking point for me in the power rankings. But I just wanted to end off our five on five drill with a quick highlight of what Detroit was able to do. Huge upset victory. Um, and they led the whole second half and they led by as many as 19 points. So it was a very dominant game um, by Detroit. Very impressive stuff. Um, OKC, not really without any of their key players. Um, but Detroit just had a, a great game and they were able to limit Oklahoma City off- offensively. The Thunder shot below 30% from three-point range. Um, their leading score was SGA. He still had 31 points. Good shooting percentages all around. Outside of him, though, uh, Jalen Williams with 20, Josh Giddy with 12, uh, and nine rebounds, five assists, and then Chet Holmgren with nine points, 12 rebounds. And that was kind of it. And a lot of other guys had a handful of points, but... Um, credit to Detroit, starting with Jalen Duran, 22 points and 21 rebounds with six assists. Very impressive stuff. Again, he's a, a younger player that I like a lot. I feel like he's a building block for Detroit. And then they got 19 with eight boards, six assists from Jaden Ivey. Um, Cade Cunningham didn't even play in this game. That makes it even more impressive. Uh, they got 17 from Bayan Bogdanovich, 11 from Isaiah Stewart. 12 off the bench from Marcus Sasser, the rookie, and then 10 from Alec Burks. Um, Excuse me. It's just impressive. You know, no Cade Cunningham, no Gallinari, no Joe Harris, no James Wiseman. And they still get the win against this Thunder team. I think shows a couple things. Resiliency of the the Pistons shows that they, you know, are – capable of getting better after having such a lengthy losing streak and that Monty Williams, you know, Hey, he still is a great coach and he's getting them to, you know, figure out how to win a little bit more. And so I think that's exciting to see. And it was just a fun bonus game to talk about in the same category as Spurs Timberwolves. Um, What an upset. And again, we'll have plenty to talk about with both of those teams in our power rankings for now. Let's real quick run through our six men, the other notes from, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday's games. We didn't have a chance to talk about. Firstly, Houston Rockets won in Charlotte against the Hornets, 138-104, to including a 44-25 to run in the third quarter for Houston that kind of uh, busted open the game for them. Next, the LA Clippers won in Toronto against the Raptors, 127-107. Wyatt, this is the game you were thinking of. Harden did have his first Clippers triple-double in that game, so definitely worth noting. Yep. Um, the OKC Thunder won in New Orleans against the Pelicans, 107-83. Um, 
that was a season low in points so far for the Pelicans. So credit to the Thunder for that kind of defensive performance. The Cleveland Cavaliers won in Milwaukee against the Bucks, 112 to 100, splitting that home and home series with Milwaukee. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies won at home by one against the Orlando Magic, 107 to 106. Um, last game from Friday, the San Antonio Spurs won at home against the Portland Trailblazers, 116 to 100. There's your Friday games on Saturday. Uh, the Washington Wizards won in Detroit against the Pistons, 118 to 104. Uh, the New York Knicks, this was the day that closed out Rivals Week. The Knicks won at home against the Miami Heat, 125-109. to 109. Um, Thanks to, well, OG Ananobi again. I mean, I just wanted to highlight the Knicks are 12-2 and two in their last 14 games since the OG Ananobi trade. So they've continued to move up and they impress uh, so far this year. And the Denver Nuggets won at home against the Philadelphia 76ers. 111 to 105. That Rivals Week matchup was kind of let down. The Sixers were without Embiid, Maxi, or Harris, and that's uh, pretty mm-hmm. limiting, but still impressive that it was only a, a six point margin of victory for the Nuggets with all those guys out. Um, yeah. Regardless, uh, the Brooklyn Nets won at home against the Houston Rockets, 106 to 104. Cam Thomas with 37 points. Brooklyn nearly gave up a 28 point lead. Um, it, that was cut all the way down to one in the final seconds, but the Nets still won the game um, kind of escaped there a little bit. Uh, the Utah jazz won in Charlotte against the Hornets, 134 to 122. jazz had such an impressive start in this game. They set franchise records for points in a first quarter, as well as points in any half with their first half totals. They had 82 points at the end of the first half. I mean, they were boat racing the Hornets and then they just kind of let down and let the Hornets somewhat get back into the game not great for us in that aspect to see that, but they still got the win. So we can't really complain too much, but still um, close the game strong, man. Not, you don't want to see them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, a couple other games from Saturday, the Milwaukee bucks won at home against the new Orleans Pelicans, 141 to 117, And the Sacramento Kings won in Dallas against the Mavericks, 120 to 115, overcoming a Luka Doncic triple double, um, immediately following a 73-point game. Finally, Sunday night, the other games, um, the Indiana Pacers won at home against the Memphis Grizzlies, 116-110. to 110. The Orlando Magic won at home against the Phoenix Suns, 113-98, to 98, overcoming a 44-point game for Devin Booker. Worth noting for the Suns in this game, Durant became the 10th player in NBA history with 28,000 career points. So congratulations on that, Mark. But... Uh, yeah, it was the magic in this game with a a 31 to 13 fourth quarter run that stole the game from Phoenix again. Second time in a couple of days that the Suns had a great scoring game from Booker and just couldn't close out the game. So it is what it is. Um apart from that, the Atlanta Hawks won at home against the Toronto Raptors 126 to 125. Trey Young 30 points, 12 assists. Um firstly, the Hawks were able to win it thanks to a Sadiq Bay put back game winner. So props to Bay for that one. But then young with that stat line, he became the sixth player in NBA history with 75 or more games of 30 points and 10 assists. Those other five, Oscar Robertson had 230 such games. Harden with 101, LeBron with 98, Westbrook with 84, and then Nate Archibald had 76 of those types of games. So 
very impressive numbers for Trey Young. And then finally, the Chicago Bulls won in Portland against the Trailblazers, 104 to 96. So that takes care of the remaining action from this past weekend. While we're up and running here, we'll go and go ahead and run through our key news as well before we jump into our next major segment, starting with uh, some NBA-specific news. Commissioner Adam Silver is reportedly finalizing a contract extension that will continue through the end of the decade. So he's going to be the commissioner still for a while. I remember seeing somewhere some rumors that Disney was eyeing him as their next CEO or something to that effect. Uh, Not going to happen. He's staying with the NBA and uh, with the way the NBA is thriving in a number of ways, uh, you know, smart decision. At least I would think so. Um, Then a couple of transactions, number of 10 day contracts. Firstly, the Pelicans signed forward Malcolm Hill to a 10 day deal. The Grizzlies signed forward Matt Hurt to a 10 day contract. And then the Pacers re-signed forward James Johnson to another 10 day contract. So some minor transactions there. Uh, for the Lakers, going back to that Lakers-Warriors game, um, D'Angelo Russell was fined $15,000 for kicking the ball into the stands following Saturday's win in San Francisco against the Warriors. Minor fine, of course, you take that. He was excited about the win and the clutch shots. You know, let him kick the ball. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, I think that was, you know, it's a little silly. But anyways, um, a couple of notes on returns slash debuts. Firstly, um, for the Milwaukee Bucks, head coach, new head coach, Doc Rivers, expected to make his debut tonight in Denver. Of course, if you missed it, um, last week they fired Adrian Griffin after he led them to a 30-13 and 13 start to the year, but they felt like the team wasn't as good as that record indicated. They had Joe Prunty as the interim coach this past week, and now Doc Rivers will be the coach. Um, expected to debut tonight in Denver. Um, so certainly worth noting. And then a couple of player returns um, for the Brooklyn Nets guard forward. Ben Simmons returned tonight versus Utah in Brooklyn. And then for the Cleveland Cavaliers, this is the big one. Uh, Evan Mobley forward. Evan Mobley returned tonight versus uh, the Clippers, Los Angeles. So a couple player returns. Finally, um, congratulations to Giannis Antetokounmpo and Devin Booker for being named the NBA's players of the week in the Eastern conference and Western conference respectively. And finally, um, you're just a, a reminder of sorts. The 2024 all-star reserves will be announced this Thursday on TNT. Of course, last week we got the announcement for the all-star starters. Now the all-star reserves will be coming up on Thursday. That'll be a talking point for us as well. But in the meantime, let's jump first into our latest edition of our power rankings. rankings all right jumping back into the power rankings why i'll kind of let you lead off i see we have some similarities some differences as is usually the case um what are some where do you want to start with your power rankings i'll start with just how difficult it is to rank the top uh what six teams right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the the Celtics record wise have the clear edge um, over anyone, um, Western or Eastern Conference. So I have them ranked first. Mm-hmm. The Nuggets, Bucks, 
Timberwolves, Clippers, and Thunder are all like a couple games apart, mm. you know, at most. Let me let me check that here. Yeah, so the Bucks the Bucks are 32 and 14. You know, the Timberwolves are 33 and 14, so one win ahead of them. And then the Thunder Nuggets, the Thunder and Nuggets are tied with 32 and 15, and then the Clippers are 30 and 15. So mm-hmm. it's like man, and then it's so, you know, you got to factor in players and you know you know their personnel and experience and all that stuff and it it's getting tricky to really rank uh these these teams i almost wanted to just put like boston one two Mm -hmm. through six (laughs) you know tied for second but yeah anyway that's that's what i have right now i did move the bucks up one they they were fourth for me last week uh, I moved them up to third, and the Timberwolves fell to fourth. A uh, little bit of a better performance by the Bucks this last week. I, you know, I think they are the more experienced team as far as uh, you know playoff uh, experience goes, and uh, they have recently won a finals. And then the addition of Damian Lillard kind of edged them into. The top three again for me, uh, pushing down Minnesota. Mm. The Clippers I still have as fifth, um, which is where they were last week. And, oh, boy, did I want to move them up. But it's like, where do I put them? Mm. Uh, Because (laughs) they're still the lowest record of all of these teams. But, you know, if you think about it, the Clippers, since they've been whole, uh. I don't know. They they have a stellar record since their uh, their lineup changes. Mm. Anyway, I digress. I'm going too long with these first five. Uh, no the other outside of that, you know, not a lot of change. The Thunder bumped up one to six. Seventy uh, Sixers fell to seven. Knicks, uh, like you said, they're tearing it up right now. Uh, it was a real bummer to see Randall get injured um, after the recent acquisition and uh, mm. their subsequent jump in performance. They're, they're up to eight. Cavs, ninth. And then Mavericks fell two to tenth. So right on their tails, the Pacers, Suns, and Kings are all right there. And uh, they all moved up one. And then the Lakers moved up two. And the Pelicans, due to uh, being outperformed by these other teams, not necessarily – I mean, they, they had a losing record the last week, but it wasn't terrible, but they fell four. Mm. Uh, other than that, you know, I'll throw out the Jazz moved up too because Jazz fan. And mm. uh, not a lot of movement in the bottom uh, – what is that, a third of the teams right. or so. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you did have Memphis moving ahead of Toronto. And yeah. San Antonio moving ahead of Charlotte. I think I had the same uh, or similar moves there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm, I mean, a lot of sense there. I, we we talked about this more last season as far as our differing perspectives on the power rankings. Generally, Wyatt has gone a touch more on the side of, you know, long-term what he expects will play out 
balancing that with what they've done so far in the year. I've been a little bit more, I lean more on what they've done in the year with a small hint of, okay, going forward, is this sustainable? You know, so we have a, a slight different approach there. And I think we can kind of see that with uh, with this week's power ranking specifically. Um, jumping to mine, I have, uh, I'm going to go 10 through one as far as running through mine. I have Indiana uh, at 10, just one spot ahead of where you had them. I think, you know, they were three and one this last week, big improvement. Um, of course, getting Siakam in and, and getting wins with him. Once you get Halliburton back, there's a lot of potential there that's exciting. Um, at nine, I have Cleveland. At eight, I have New York. And I wanted to move New York up more, but it's kind of like what Wyatt was saying. There's so many great teams just ahead of them, despite how great New York has been. They need like another week or two of better play than these other teams to be able to, to break into that top six or seven. Um, but they're hanging right there. At seven, I have the 76ers moving down one. They were uh, below 500 in the week, missing Embiid. They haven't had the same kind of consistency they've had earlier in the year, so I have some concerns there. At six, I have the Los Angeles Clippers up one spot. They were undefeated. Huge statement win against Boston. I think they are very impressive. But then my top five, Denver hangs around in the top five. Again, a little bit of the, you know, they're the defending champs, and we know how great Jokic can be. Plus, they are a winning team in the week, so, you know, there wasn't really enough where it's like, okay, they lost or, you know, they were one and two. They definitely needed to come down below where the Clippers are at four Milwaukee moved up for me as well. You know, same with, with the coaching change, maybe that invigorates them, but they had a great week as well at three down one spot, Minnesota. Um, they were two and two in the week and then OKC moved up ahead of them into two for me. And that's a big difference for us. Wyatt, you have the thunder outside of your top Six. five. I have the Thunder at number two. I just wanted to ask you real quick, you know, what your thoughts are on that gulf and, and why you ended up going with them at six rather than two or, you know, top yeah. five. And and they are they were my uh, biggest struggle earlier today when I was doing my power rankings because, uh, you know, at this very second, Minnesota has gotten the uh, – lead back in the Western Conference, but I believe OKC, I want to say they were first earlier when I did yeah. the rankings. So so okay. we do have, yeah, the the standings from this past week before any of tonight's games. Oh, um, yeah. 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 So they were tied with the Timberwolves, and that's where I had decided to move them up ahead um, uh-huh. for that moment. So, yeah. So th- that's tricky, you know. <laughs> At the time I did this, they're the best team in the West, or tied for the best anyway. Mm. Uh, but they had have a better record against Minnesota than Minnesota has against them. Um, and then, you know, their record's not as good as the Celtics, obviously. So I wasn't going to put them first. Mm. But then it's just like, I look at these other teams, I'm like, okay, first I got to eliminate, like, them or the Timberwolves, like who am I going to put ahead of who? And this is kind of what you mentioned, like long term. I think the Thunder are awesome, and Shea is playing out of his mind. Mm. But they they got a lot of young guys carrying a lot of the load, you know. And yeah. I worry about 
playoff uh, performances, if that's going to carry into it. Not that Minnesota's like got tons of deep runs in the playoffs, but they have mm. more experience. You know, they yeah they Conley, have a little bit they, of experience. Got, yeah, yeah. They, they, so I don't know. I so I'm like, okay, I'll keep the Timberwolves higher, and you know, they have led up to this point, and they haven't lost the lead record wise. Mm. And then the other teams, I'm just like, the Clippers are on a tear. Mm. You know, their record's not quite as good as the Thunder's, sure. But, like, there's no way the Thunder's going to beat the Clippers long term. That's what that is, or my okay. thoughts on that. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then kind of outside of that, you have, you know, the Bucks and the Celtics, who uh, – Celtics record-wise are just dominant and personnel, I would say as well. Bucks personnel, I feel like are, you know, experience and personnel edges out the thunder for a long-term mm. uh, success. And then the Nuggets right now, you know, I would say the, the Nuggets and the thunder, like I seriously considered swapping because I feel like these other teams are playing hotter than the Nuggets are overall. Uh, mm. lately but the nuggets have that experience and they still have the record to hold them uh at, right there with the best of any of these teams so yeah i don't know i just didn't feel like i could downgrade them uh at this time but it's like th- those teams the nuggets clippers and thunder are like three that i'm waiting just like like next week, I wouldn't be shocked if they all three jump or fall a couple of positions. So, yeah, I don't know. that's fair enough. And and I really, ran, I don't I don't I have a gripe. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. It's it's more just to see the different perspective because I can see both sides. And honestly, yeah. you know, you could argue they're somewhere in the middle. You know, they've been a hot yeah. team, but they're still you know well the experience. You know, it's I think it's healthy to have a a dose of of trepidation. You know, just until we see it in the playoffs, we're not sure how it's going to fully play out, but <clears throat> they've been great. Um, so anyways, yeah, back to the original point, I guess. Okay, see it too. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. Boston at number one, you really can't argue. Um, they have a sizable lead ahead of the other teams. Um, dominant at home outside of, of course, a couple of losses, including one this past weekend, but they've been great. That's my top 10. Um, outside of that, I had Sacramento at 11. They've moved up three spots. Um, they were three and zero this last week. I feel like Sacramento has a good chance to join Indiana, Cleveland, New York. That's kind of a tight knit group of teams that really have a great shot of that top 10. Um, but only, only nine, only three of those four can make that top 10. Uh, with the teams that are ahead of them. I don't know. It's it's kind of a fun mix. And then just outside of that at 12, the Phoenix Suns were two and two. You know, you figure if they get at least one more win with some of those scoring performances, they could have maybe leapfrogged Sacramento and Indiana up into the top 10. But there's still some concerns for Phoenix. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Booker was impressive. Um, middle group, I had New Orleans and Dallas fall a bit, as well as Orlando and Miami. Miami was one that I... I felt bad about this. I have them at 18 right now. They were 0-3 in the week, and we've talked about it a lot where last season it was such an unexpected run to the finals, and we knew that they would be a good team, a a competitive team in the playoffs regardless of season finish. But 
that still matters. And more to the point, I've gotten a little bit tired of waiting for Miami to, you know, flip the switch and and start putting <laughs> together the wins. You know, they're just barely above 500. I would rather, you know, bite the bullet, move them down where they've kind of actually fallen this year. And if they prove me wrong, great. I'm more than happy to be proved wrong and move them back up. Right now, I doubt it even with, you know, the rookie Hawkes and and what they've got there. Um, I moved them down to 18. In the middle of the pack, I have Lakers at 15, Jazz at 16. They each moved up two spots. Um, I just like to be able to put Utah in, you know, towards the middle, uh, less towards the bottom. Is there a bias? Probably. Um, but they've been good as well. So, and then outside of that, yeah, Memphis moved up ahead of Toronto. San Antonio moved ahead of Charlotte. And then this might be a controversial one. I put Washington at the bottom of my power rankings. I put Detroit ahead of them because Detroit won two games and they beat the Thunder and the Wizards. Despite beating the Pistons this week, that was their only win. And I am less inspired by Washington than I am by Detroit as far as talent and potential. So there's my thoughts there. I think that's very fair, actually. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I, I was ready for the, <laughs> yeah. I was ready for opposition on that one, but yeah. it seems. Weird. I mean, record, record wise, there's some opposition, but yeah, I mean, yeah, the Pistons pulled off a win against the Thunder with a, several like key players, mm. including their best. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, I doubt it will hold for very long. They could fall <laughs> back to the bottom as soon as next week, but it feels good to be able to put Detroit not at the very bottom. So I think that covers our, our power rankings for the most part. So let's go ahead and jump into our next segment. One of our favorite segments, um, our DEF CON levels for this week. We are at DEF CON 1. DEF CON 1. levels. All right. We're going to see if we can get through these segments um, in, in good time. I know that we both kind of have some plans um, after this episode as well. Um, and we haven't been too slow up to this point. I think we've covered things pretty efficiently, but uh, my topics are going to be pretty quick as far as they're all in the same theme. Of course, as I mentioned, all-star reserves are being named Thursday. And so there's going to be plenty of speculation about who's going to be named. Just a refresher, your starters in each conference in the East, you have Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, and then your three front court players, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. And then in the West, you have Shea Gildas Alexander and Luka Doncic. Then in the front court, it's LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Nicole Jokic. So that leaves a bunch of players in the mix. Remember, for your reserves, in each conference, you'll get there'll be two guards, three front court, and then two of any position selected so seven reserves in each conference at least two guards and at least three front court players and there's a ton of names in in all those categories that are intriguing to watch for where i'm going to start with you wyatt is Mm -hmm. in the west guard category guys that could be named as reserves you have stephen curry De'Aaron fox devin booker anthony edwards kyrie irving desmond bain um those are kind of the the six or so that I thought were the most pressing two guards for sure. And then two of any wild card. Why, what is the DEFCON level on Kyrie Irving being snubbed this year for an all-star spot? Well, being snubbed. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I th I thought you were gonna go the other way, uh, making it. Shoot, man, I don't know. There's there's a lot of good guards. We're I was actually just discussing this, uh, yesterday I think with or Saturday, uh, mm -hmm. with my mother in law. We were talking about the chances of Markin and uh, making it. Mm. And man, the West is tough. There's so many. good players uh you rattled off a few and yeah curry and edwards you know and the potentially uh for guards mm. uh that kind of what i would expect and then you, you know other guards competing with curry or uh, with uh irving there's fox harden uh i don't know It's it's tough, and and he hasn't played a lot, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has missed a lot of time. He's missed a decent amount of time. So, but yeah, there's a few things I guess that makes me a little bit. Let's see. So he him being snubbed, I'm gonna go with a two. Okay. Uh, because. He, you know, one we've already got, we've already got someone from Dallas, okay. Mm -hmm. Luca, obvious choice, you know, he's in there. Not that you can't have two. I mean, East has Lillard and Antetokounmpo. Yeah, but we have one from Dallas. Dallas is not a, you know, stellar team right now. They're, mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're in the top. pack but uh not leading it yeah so that you know and, and so that combined with him not playing a ton and then combined with the fact that you know he he's played well but he hasn't played like shockingly well mm -hmm. for most of the time that he has been I, I would be more inclined toward Well, I'll I'll save that for your next <laughs> power rank. I'm gonna <laughs> okay. go with two or your next DEFCON level. Sorry, I'm gonna go with two. Okay. No, I think that's fair. I I would say yeah, at least two, maybe even, you know, moving towards one, just because, yeah, the the factors you laid out. I wasn't even thinking about the fact that he had missed a lot of games, and then you combine that with yeah, Dallas doesn't really need two all stars. They've been good, but not that great, and then um. you know, the, the guards ahead of him, I would agree easily DEFCON too, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what the, mm -hmm. the Western conference uh, coaches have to say. Of course, a reminder, um, all 15 Western conference coaches will pick the reserves for the West. And then the same goes for the East and the Eastern conference reserves, but that's our first topic. Why I'm curious what you've got for us with our, with your first topic for today. Yeah. So, so mine are both team related, uh, And the first, and they're both California teams. And the first one is in LA, the Clippers. Some, uh, probably the team I've talked about most this season, uh, mm. at least outside of the first month of the podcast or so. Mm. Um, I'm going to talk about them again. I think they're phenomenal. <laughs> I, <laughs> I want to know what the DefCon level is. on uh 
them finishing the regular season uh, first in the West. Oh, first in the, in the West. West. Yeah. That right, is a so good for one. reference. Yeah. For, so for reference, there are two teams behind or there are two games behind uh, the Thunder and the Nuggets and they're three behind the Timberwolves. Yeah. So mm. they're fourth in the West. Man, that's a good one. I was just going to check out of curiosity. I don't believe that the Clippers have ever in their franchise history finished first in the Western Conference. Probably um, not. Yeah. Looking at it, um, they've finished first in the Pacific Division a handful of times. Um, but I'm, unless I'm wrong somewhere, I don't see it. But um, I don't believe the Clippers have ever finished a season as a top team in the West. Um, I don't know. As much as I haven't minded, oddly enough, you know, usually we've talked about this. We, we we're not big. We're not very keen on the Clippers. I get mm-hmm. a little bit off on the Clippers with my own, you know, pedanticism, if you will, about the uniforms. And this is going to sound completely like off the rails. Like, what does that have to do with team success? It really doesn't have anything to do with team success. But in my mind, it makes sense. Like, oh, their uniforms are garbage. Um, you know, they can't be long-term successful and that's like a totally <laughs> different tangent um being actually realistic here i i'd probably i'd go somewhere in the middle at the moment just to be safe i'd go defcon level three just because you know they've got three teams that have had great starts and yeah there's questions with okc in youth um the maturity questions come up with minnesota lately as far as they weren't able to close out that win with with Towns having a 60-point game. Um, they lost to San Antonio. OKC lost to Detroit. But those are, you know, those happen in the flow of a regular season. I'm not too concerned with that. I think the Clippers are going to stay good, but I don't know that they're going to get even that much more red hot to make that jump, you know, to be able to leap those teams ahead of them. I'll go DEFCON level, you know, I'll go DEFCON level like three and a half if we can do decimals here. Some, <laughs> okay. somewhere in there um i i guess three because i think they've been good but it, it would be tough to see them you know be that even that much better uh in the back half because i'm not sure what would you know they're they're playing kind of as well as i would expect i don't know i'm not sure if i'm really answering yeah. it what are your what are your thoughts here no that's fair i i think that's a reasonable answer three I I was thinking about it earlier, and I am like, you know, I I would not put them at a two, but you mm. know, if you were a three and a half, I would probably be like a two point six, you know. Okay, <laughs> like that's probably what I'd say on this one, just because I'm like looking at the teams, you know, I think the Thunder are good, but maybe a little bit. Uh, you can't say inconsistent because they're not, but that's, mm. but they are kind of. You You're know. saying track record wise. Yeah. As far as like uh, the success is very recent. Yeah. Well, no, just even this year, like they, they've been, cons- they've consistently won, but also I'm, I'm not like 
kind of what we talked about with our power rankings. I am a little hesitant to keep them or to like rank them super high or keep them super high ranking. And I kind of, that's kind of what drives this. Like, I feel like the Clippers have the talent and the experience to, Mm. to pass the thunder for sure. You know, the nuggets, uh, defending champs, great team, but a little cooler than they were last year. Mm. So I'm like, you know, maybe the Clippers could get them too. And then the Timberwolves are, uh, obviously playing very well, but yeah, maybe not as quote unquote inconsistent because I can't think of a better way to describe the Thunder. But they're not as much of that as the Thunder, but they are a little bit of that. Mm. Whatever word <laughs> that I can substitute for inconsistent. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So oh, yeah. I don't know. I I I don't expect it. Like it's not like if we get to the end of the season and they're not, then I'm going to be shocked. Mm. But if they did. I'd be hyped and also okay. not completely surprised. Okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. That, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> like it's a, a fair answer. So, okay. Um, I'll go ahead and jump into my, my... making up words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're both, you know, very eloquent with our speech tonight, but um, <laughs> I'll, we'll go ahead and move on to our next uh, topic here again, back to the all-star type conversation. And we are going to stick in the West for just a second. You know, you're talking top teams in the West, and we talked to Minnesota in that that last topic. We'll stick there as far as this one goes. Kind of a different wording here, but uh, or a different way to phrase it. But why? What is your DefCon level on Anthony Edwards being the only All Star selected from the Timberwolves? So, oh, I, I ask this because hey, again, you you go back to the numbers game in the West. Uh, as far as reserve possibilities at the front court, you, you'll pick three. There's Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Carl Anthony Towns is in there. Uh, then you can maybe, you know, Larry Markinen, Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, you get into the young guys, Wemby and Chet. So there's a lot of intriguing names. Um, you know, Towns and Gobert would be the other guys besides Anthony Edwards that could be all-stars. What's your uh, right. DEFCON level on that? Well, now I have to think because here I was thinking you were going to ask the chances of him being selected as an all-star reserve, mm-hmm. um, which is not the question you asked. Um, I don't know, man. I I uh, think that Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns are both very reasonable uh picks mm-hmm. and you know i i wouldn't maybe be a little more inclined to pick towns but i think that gobert has maybe the numbers uh and, and consistency this year that would maybe get him a bigger pick or a greater chance of being picked by uh those in charge of picking the coaches mm-hmm. so I don't know, man. There's, yeah, but there's a lot of good competition too. Uh, you know, the Clippers have George and uh, Kawhi, uh, and then of course, yeah, Davis with the Lakers, Markinen with the Jazz that you mentioned, hmm. Sabonis and Goon. 
So the chances of them not taking two from the Timberwolves, it, that's the question, right? Not taking two, or, or is it the chances of them taking two? There, it, not that Anthony not. Edwards would be the only all star. Okay. Uh, I don't know. So the, the Timberwolves are right there to where it would be reasonable for them to have two if we're going off the logic of mm. uh, the Mavericks not because the Bucks did have two and they have, uh, you know, their second in the East. Mm. But I, I still, I think I'm going to lean toward uh, – uh, I I guess I'm gonna go two again on this one. Wow. Um, okay. Because I I'm leaning to I I kind of think Ant is gonna be the only one uh from the Timberwolves that's uh playing in the All Star game. Okay. That's interesting. And I yeah. when I when I came up with the topic, I was kind of leaning that way too. As we were talking about it, I was thinking about the fact that you know it's it's coaches vote. And I feel like they're going to, you know, I don't know for sure, obviously, but I feel like they would mm-hmm. value the records and how good the team has been. So I feel like that for me, I would go more DEFCON level three um, or mm-hmm. even, you know, consider a four. But um, I, I, I can see where you're coming from as far as it, like what I was first going with the numbers game. You know, there's a lot of great, for, you know, front court guys in that mix. So, um no, I think that's a a fair number uh, in that sense of it. Defcon two, so yeah, and and I would I like thinking I would be pretty easily swayed to a three also, just because I'm thinking like Gobert and <laughs> Davis are kind of two, you know, mm-hmm. iconic bigs that would be paired like matched up, and I think Davis has better numbers. But then if you look at records, like, well, are we going to give the Lakers two who are, you know, middle of the pack of the West? Or are we going to give the Timberwolves two guys who are, uh, you know, leading the West? So, you know, in that sense, I could definitely see him, you know. Yeah. I guess that's the question. Are they going to lean toward numbers or uh, or record or try and <laughs> factor yeah. them equally? But Yeah, fair point. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah what what are your thoughts on that one you think three maybe four i guess yeah that's kind of where i'm leaning but again I, i'm just interested to see where they uh where they go with it but yeah go yeah. ahead what what have you got with your right. uh, next topic yeah my next topic's the warriors <clears throat> so uh <laughs> our other californian team uh they have been struggling this year uh, probably hurt to lose that double overtime win. Mm. And, you know, we, we see moments of their greatness, like Steph with the, his huge offensive uh, showing against Los Angeles, uh, the Lakers. Mm. And Clay Thompson had some bright moments and has here and there all year, but not doing hot. And mm. I think in the last, like, 10 years, They've missed the playoffs twice. Uh, once they play, they played uh, the Lakers in a play-in c- contest. Mm-hmm. I think that was 2020, right? The bubble. Uh, no, no, it was, no, no, no. It was next the, year. It, yeah, it was the next year. Yeah, you're right. The, they were 
they and then the other one was the bubble the 2020 they weren't even close they had kind of crappy record mm -hmm. um so what what are what's the defcon level of the warriors missing uh not the playoffs but a play even a play in uh chance this year so uh defcon level one Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm diving right into this one and I, you know, I've considered doing this as a topic in the past. Um especially we're over halfway into the season at this point. Um I'm ready to just commit. And again, if they somehow prove me wrong, you know, good for them. Um but they just don't look put together. You know, I was watching yeah. some of the the clips from um just this past weekend. Draymond, of course, returned from suspension, still plays with an intensity, and I don't expect him to lose the intensity, but I just also don't have a lot of faith in him being, you know, the fully rehabilitated and not going to be uh, either a distraction or, you know, have some sort of flagrant foul or technical issue. You know, that I think gets frustrating as his level of play has declined. Steph kind of has to do too much, even though clay has some games where he's still effective. He has, he's been more shades of clay rather than clay Thompson that we kind of know have come to expect. I think Kaminga is rising for them and is yeah. a bright spot for their future, but Wiggins has struggled most of the year. Um, the bench has its moments. They're without Chris Paul. Um, you know, they their kind of moment of, they had a, a heartwarming win this past week or so um, was of course, honoring the, their coach that had passed away Dayan Melievich. Um, and that was great for them to get that win. I'm happy for that and that they're honoring him, but it's like they, they, they had a focus and they had a, a reason to win that game. And then outside of that, it's like, it feels like they don't really have a focus. It's like, okay, what, mm -hmm. what are we playing for tonight? You know, especially now if they're not even in the play in picture. So I, I don't know. I just don't see, I mean, they're a game and a half behind Houston and Houston is more intriguing to me than golden state right now in terms of what they can do. Um, Utah's ahead of them, LA, um, as a jazz fan, I'm worried about the jazz being able to sustain this. Um, but I just don't see the warriors making a big jump. I'm going to have to say DEFCON level one. And again, hot take, right. I'll be, you know, you, Definitely, I'll own it if I'm proved wrong, but it feels very much like it's not going to be a year for them to to really even be in that picture. That's fair. <laughs> Just a, a ditto I'm right there. there with you. I, yeah, I'm right there with you. One or two would have been my. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. But again, I, I guess maybe we'll have to eat crow or whatever in the future, but right now we're. <laughs> yeah. Right now we're okay. So I guess we'll go ahead and move on to our last uh, topic, if that's okay. Again, another all-star topic here. This time I'll go more in the direction of what you're thinking of as far as the phrasing. We'll go Eastern Conference this time. As far as the guards go, here's some names to mention. Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, Tyrese Maxey. Um, maybe those four most prominently. On the fringes, you know, LaMelo Ball, but he's missed a lot of games, or Cade Cunningham for a, a very bad Detroit team. Um, why? What's the DEFCON level on Tyrese Maxey getting the first all-star selection of his career? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I didn't even throw in Derek White on that list. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. The the East is strong for sure. Uh in the guard position. Um but I think I think that Maxie's Uh, you know, he's he's with a successful Philadelphia team, you know, maybe a little bit overshadowed by Embiid, but Mm -hmm. like he's he's still, you know, a key playmaker, a key, a key uh, second, you know, second option uh, for them. And, you know, yeah, like. Brunson, especially as of late, I'd you know pick him over Maxi Mitchell. You know, in his good moments for sure, he's he's a top tier uh, guard, and I'd pick him over Maxi. But mm. and Young, you know, is in his own right, he's a very successful individual and always does well. But kind of the Hawks and as a whole aren't that great or at least they they <clears throat> go up and down a lot i i i'm gonna give this like a i'm gonna give it a one i'm gonna go i'm gonna go out Ooh. there i i almost said two because mm. that's maybe what i feel a little more accurately but i said two all night so yeah <laughs> i'm gonna give him a one <laughs> okay yeah, no i think that's fair yeah, I would say um a two myself just because um you know, I think that Young has a good case. Um but I also know that Young has been a player that they don't like to look at the stats with Trey. Kind of it goes against him in some ways where it's like the team isn't doing well. Um and I don't think that's entirely unique to Trey, but I think it it has happened in the past. And so I'd say that with Trey Young and um, but, you know, Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell to me have got to be locks. So Trey would be where the, mm. you know, mm-hmm. potential uh, mix up would be. But uh, I would say two, but I think, you know, one is I feel like he's earned it. He's had a great year, um, especially early in the year. And so, yeah, I think that's a, a fair number to go with. So. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. I, okay. I think we're, we're good on our DEF CON levels uh, with that. Yeah, so, I agree. <laughs> so let's, uh, real quick, jump into our weekly MVP conversation. Weekly MVP. All right. As far as the weekly MVP goes this week, we've got, um, you know, a number of candidates. Of course, we select 10 players um, based on a variety of metrics. Of course, winning record is a big thing we like to focus on, but you also got to have impressive individual stats. The players we went with this week, we've got uh, a lot of names you expect and a couple names that are, uh, you know, a little surprising. Maybe uh, we've got Shea Gildas Alexander. Harrison Barnes found his way onto the list this week with some high scoring games. Wow. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, D'Angelo Russell, who we were talking about, uh, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, 
Anthony Davis and Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, a number of names that we've gone with for this week's MVP. Kind of an interesting week. Um, somewhere in the middle of, you know, having a bunch of guys that are close candidates and one standout guy. Um, I feel like there's a couple of names that are, you know, a little more impressive than others. Why I'm actually going to lead us off here with my player that I think in my mind is an easy pick for this week. And I'm going to go with Giannis because he was three and one in the week. Uh, one of the better records of any of these guys. Um, played, uh, how many minutes did he play? 33 minutes a game had nearly 30 points a game, 14 rebounds, eight assists with only about three turnovers, less than three turnovers. So pretty good ratio there. We like to talk about that. He had the defensive numbers, one and a half steals, about one and a half blocks. Um, the foul's a bit higher, but you can live with that as long as you're getting boards, you're getting blocks, you know, you're putting up those type of numbers. Um, and then he shot 60% from the floor. 42, nearly 43% from three-point range with a 13 and a half plus minus. The weakness for him is the free throws, 60% from the free throw line, but still I think a dominant week for Giannis, three and one, an impressive record. I would go with him as my pick right now. All right. That's reasonable. Who have you got? I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I'm going with Barnes, man. Uh, You're going Harrison Barnes? Yeah. And those listening are probably thinking the same thing as me right now. Like, is this a joke? Like uh, (laughs) a uh, pity addition, you know? But it's, I mean, he put up some serious numbers. He's not like, like, it's not like we threw him on the bottom of our list here of, uh, yeah. oh, well, Maybe for old time's sake, well, Bill Harrison Barnes on. Like, yeah. he was second in points, 30.3 points per game, uh, almost five rebounds. Uh, as, as far as distributing the ball, like, he only averaged one assist per game, but he also only uh, turned it over once in the in the three games that they played. So it's still a three to one ratio mm, for, oh uh, the ratio i see assisted turnover <laughs> yeah he was they were undefeated this week three no uh almost a block per game uh almost a steal and a half per game and then his percentages is the real uh kicker here he uh from the field shot 54.5 percent 55.6 from the three and then 94 from the free throw line mm. uh played almost 36 minutes i think he's kind of a legit pick uh you know, his his defensive numbers aren't as high as uh, Giannis's, uh, at least on the block side. Steals are pretty similar. Mm-hmm. So, I'll, you know, for sure I'll give Giannis the edge there. Um, Giannis played an extra game but lost. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Giannis didn't score quite as high mm-hmm. but got a heck of a lot more rebounds, heck of yeah. a lot more assists. Uh you know, so there's there's definitely that to be considered. Yeah, um, I why I don't mean to, you know, I feel like you're yanking my chain a little bit here because I like Harrison Barnes <laughs> as much as the next guy. Um, and again, <laughs> I put him on the list. Obviously, I think he had a great he had a great scoring week. He had some big shots and some some nice wins. Uh-huh. Um, we were talking volume of stats here. <laughs> <I know>. um, <laughs> 
So but think about it. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> it would be Harrison, we're not trying to meme you here. You did have a good week. Um Wyatt's being a little, I think, you know, overzealous here. I think, you know, outside of Giannis, for me, if we're talking other candidates, Shay Gilgis Alexander <laughs> would be a safe pick. Um and you know, Jokic impressive as most weeks, but for me, it's got to be honest. But again, I don't know if you're if you're seriously locked in on on Barnes, that can be your first vote. But who else were you thinking here? Set on Barnes. <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> set on. Uh, yeah, Giannis obviously, you know, great performance. His percentages aren't where, I mean, they're where we expect, but I wish they were higher. Mm. I say that every time we talk about Giannis, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Uh, Alexander but I mean, he had, had he had the second highest field goal percentage of anyone on the list. Yeah, field goal is great, and it usually is. It's just the three point and free throw that's like, well, but forty three bothersome forty three percent for Giannis. That's yeah, very true. good. That, that's pretty stellar. That is pretty stellar. You're right. And you know, Jason Tatum, it was better than Tatum's. So yeah, uh, yeah. Giannis is probably the right pick. I think SGA was impressive too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Jokic always is, mm-hmm. and mm, yeah, it's got to be honest. But okay, just the yeah, I'd probably go Giannis one, SGA two, Barnes three, because I'm keeping him somewhere. <laughs> okay, well, I'm <laughs> I'm glad I could help you come around a little bit and again apologies to Harrison Barnes you were you did deserve to be on the list but we're talking about you know the best you know complete performances from the week and looking at all those factors I do think Giannis as we go ahead and write it in here um, I'll need just a minute of focus to make sure I spell Antenacumpo right um, O-U-N-M-P-O Giannis and, and Tenkumpo. Him, him and Brunson were the only ones that did not lose a game this last week on our list. So. That is true. Um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not dogging you, Barnes. I was kind of <laughs> a tiny bit serious. <laughs> <laughs> only a tiny bit. Um, no, anyways, congratulations to Giannis. Uh, he's the third player this season to win the award multiple times. Our week 14 MVP. Congratulations. Next time you're out here in Utah, I think you've already played in Utah your one time this year. So it'd probably have to be next season. Um, but next time you're out, we'd love to have you stop by and accept your weekly MVP honor. But that being said, we'll go ahead and jump into our last major segment real quick. And that's our weekly forecast. Um, all of the times that I will give for these games are in Eastern Standard Time. So keep that in mind as you're planning schedules. Starting on Tuesday, five games, two national broadcasts. On TNT, uh, there's a double header. Firstly, at 7:30, the Boston Celtics host the Indiana Pacers. Uh, again, Halliburton's return, along with uh, Siakam, in Boston against the top team in the NBA. That should be a good one to watch for. And then at 10 o'clock on TNT, the Golden State Warriors host the Philadelphia 76ers. Embiid versus Curry. There's some intrigue there. Um, your remaining games at 7:30, the New York Knicks host the Utah Jazz. Again. Jazz Plus or K Jazz, your local uh, Jazz cable TV. 
Also at 7.30, the Atlanta Hawks host the Los Angeles Lakers. And then at 8, the Chicago Bulls host the Toronto Raptors. That's your Tuesday slate. Wednesday, uh, 10 games, two national broadcasts starting on ABC at 8.30. The Brooklyn Nets host the Phoenix Suns. Durant's return to Brooklyn. I think we already had that last season after the trade, but still somewhat of a storyline there. Um, Mikhail Bridges and Cameron Johnson versus their former team as well. And then on ESPN at 10 o'clock, the Trailblazers host the Milwaukee Bucks in Damian Lillard's return to Portland for the first time since the trade. That's definitely one you want to watch for, see what the reception will be like for uh, arguably the greatest Portland Trailblazer in uh, their franchise's history. Of course, Clyde Drexler, one of those names you talk about as well, but uh, a great career nonetheless. Your remaining games, uh, two games, actually three games at seven, Wizards host the Clippers, Pistons are in Cleveland against the Cavaliers, and then the Bulls are in Charlotte against the Hornets. At 7.30, Heat hosts the Sacramento Kings, uh, and then your final four games are all at 8 o'clock. Nuggets are in Oklahoma City against the Thunder. That's an intriguing one when we're talking experienced West team versus an up-and-coming West team. Nuggets, Thunder, that's one that you should definitely check out. Uh, Also at 8, the Spurs host the Magic. The Timberwolves host the Mavericks, and then the Rockets host the Pelicans. A lot of intriguing games on Wednesday night. Thursday night, uh, four games only, two of those, a TNT doubleheader. Uh, Again, before that, the All-Star Reserves will be announced, which will then be followed by uh, the classic rivalry at 7.30. Celtics host the Lakers. Last season when these two teams met, it was definitely um, an event. There was some theatrics, to say the least. So... It'll be interesting to see if any Lakers players grab reporters' cameras to show an official this time around, Um, but we'll see what happens with that rivalry game. And then at 10 o'clock, the Utah Jazz are on uh, TNT hosting the Philadelphia 76ers. So the Sixers get a couple of national broadcasts during the week, um, the second of those being in Salt Lake City. Your remaining games at 7.30, the New York Knicks host the Indiana Pacers. Again, that classic rivalry that I like. And then at 8 o'clock, the Memphis Grizzlies host the Cleveland Cavaliers. Finally, on Friday, 10 games total, two national, actually one national broadcast. uh, On NBA TV at 8 o'clock, the Memphis Grizzlies hosting the Golden State Warriors. Your remaining games at 7.30, Heat are in Washington against the Wizards, and then the Clippers are in Detroit against the Pistons. At 7.30, Pacers host the Kings. Uh, again, Sabonis versus Halliburton and that whole trade storyline, as well as at 7.30, the Atlanta Hawks hosting the Phoenix Suns. And then four games at eight, Spurs host the Pelicans, Thunder hosts the Hornets, Magic are in Minnesota against the Timberwolves, and the Raptors are in Houston against the Rockets. Finally, at nine o'clock, the Denver Nuggets host the Portland Trailblazers to close out this week, uh, the weekday set of games. Why we've highlighted a bunch, I'll just say right off the bat, of course, uh, Milwaukee in Portland, Dame back in Portland is the big one I'm looking for. But also um, Nuggets Thunder stands out to me. What are some other games that maybe stand out to you, um, if not the same games? Yeah, I was, I was going to say uh, Nuggets Thunder for sure. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a few other key ones uh, there that I'd be interested in watching, like Mavericks, Timberwolves, Lakers, Celtics, uh, Pacers, Knicks. There's quite a few good matchups uh, that I'd that I'd like to watch, but I I'd probably go with the uh, Nuggets and Thunder being my 
top one there because those are the two teams I mentioned earlier in power rankings that I'm like tempted, you know, like those two there, I feel like have a big uh, potential for change mm. in that top five, just the ordering. Okay. I'd, li I'd like to see a matchup. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think, I think that's going to be a great one. And again, a lot of intriguing matchups this week as there are with most weeks. So uh should be a great one. We'll go ahead and finish up this episode with our This Day in History fact for you. Uh, we're going back to 1984, January 29th of 1984. The NBA's first All-Star Saturday took place in Denver at McNichols Arena. The inaugural Schick Legends Classic was won by the West, 64-63, to 63, and the first Nestle Crunch Slam Dunk Contest winner was Larry Nance. Uh, Larry Nance Sr., of course, who used a two-ball windmill dunk to beat the favorites, Julius Irving and Dominique Wilkins. So classic NBA history, history moments, all-star moments. Um, the Schick Legends Classic, that will probably never return. I wish it would, though, seeing players 20 years past their playing career out on the court. Um, classic stuff. I wish they still did that. <laughs> but um, with that, that's pretty much our show. Wyatt, any closing thoughts before we finish things up for today? Uh, not really. I... I really enjoyed Rivals Week. I thought that was uh, fun. I tried to watch um, as much basketball as I could and enjoyed what I did watch. I'm a little bummed because my dad, whose Sling account I have been mooching off to watch the ESPN games, he uh, stopped his subscription. So oh. now I'm going to have to find new avenues. <laughs> Maybe have to pirate. some money of my own. <laughs> or yeah, or pirate. <laughs> we do not condone FCC. We do not condone pirating. Um, I don't even know how I'd go about doing that. But yeah, no, that'd be. Uh, yeah, I'll so probably just go back to jazz games because they're free here on KJazz. Fair which enough. Is what I was doing before the subscription started. Yeah, fair enough. We we've been pretty blessed with the the K jazz thing this year. That's been a nice change, but yeah, a lot of great basketball coming up. Of course, we'll be back on Wednesday uh, with a normal Wednesday show with weekly predictions and all that type of stuff. But for now, thanks again for listening and we'll be back with you on Wednesday. <laughs>